0: Welcome to Inside Divorce, my name is Hindel Grossman, the owner of a law firm called Grossman & Associates LTD located in Newton and Nantucket, Massachusetts. Today I'm sitting with Mari Ryan, who has a business called Advancing Wellness. Hi Mari. Hello. And we're going to talk about how to be well at work and related topics. Why don't you tell us about
1: yourself? Well, thanks so much. I'm delighted to be here this morning. I'm the CEO and founder of Advancing Wellness. I founded this business about 13 years ago when I was a burnt-out road warrior and needed a career change and felt that I needed to do something that was going to have more meaning, and it brought me to the field of workplace well-being. And I am uh, describe myself as a workplace well-being strategist, so working with organizations to help them create cultures in their workplace and where their employees can thrive. How do you do that? Well, we do that in a couple of different ways. It's again a strategic type of view. So, working with an organization, we first do an assessment of, you know, gather all the information about where are they today? Yeah. You know, look at what information they have, do interviews with senior leaders, with focus groups with employees, do some surveying to gather information, observe what goes on in the workplace, and look at all their benefits and resources that they have available for their employees. And then we develop a strategic plan based on all of that that will give them all of the things they need to operate, do an operating plan, really, over the next couple of years to be able to create that place where they're really looking after their people, since their employees are their most important asset, yeah. and help them really thrive at work.
0: So how can you tell if the workplace is well or the employees are well or need wellness training? Well, there's there's actually a lot
1: of indicators. I think one of the things that we tend to look for in a workplace is We hear a lot from employers today about how difficult it is to attract talent, that people are being very picky, that it's a a perfect time to be looking for your ideal job because you can be very picky. So hiring the right kind of talent for an organization is actually really challenging right now. And once you get them there, keeping those employees engaged so that they will stay are the other key challenges. So this whole cycle of talent management. And across that cycle, You know, employees who are looking to join an organization are going to look broadly at the organization. What's the culture like? What are the benefits like? What's the compensation like? Are going to be the obvious things. But they're going to get a sense in the workplace whether people really are happy working there. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of transparency in workplaces today with internet services like Glassdoor, where you can go and read reviews of what it's like to work in a workplace. And if people say it's a toxic culture, nobody's going to want to work there. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's obvious. Mm -hmm. And people want to be happy at work. Mm -hmm. You know, I think inherently people want to get out of bed in the morning feel connection to the work that they do, enjoy the time they spend with their colleagues, yeah. and feel like they're contributing to something that's bigger than just making profit for someone. Yes. It's about making a contribution in the world and having a purpose in that That work that's going to contribute to the greater good.
0: In a way, all of that is even more important for some employee who's divorcing because they have to feel like when they come to work, it's a peaceful place where they're not feeling stressed because in their personal life, they're feeling a lot of stress. Right. You know,
1: nobody wants to go to work and feel stressed, you know, when we think about that. So that's the kinds of things we look for. Are there stress indicators? Is Uh it a toxic work culture? Uh You know, do people talk about bosses who won't look them in the eye or will only email them and, you know, not talk to them? You know, that's a toxic work culture. Nobody wants to go there. And especially if you're dealing with you know your own trauma in your own life yeah. as a result of a divorce, then you want to go to a place where you feel good, where you can be productive, where you can be really focused on the work that you're doing so that you're putting behind all of that other stuff that's occupying your mind in your life. And be able to really get into your work and, you know, and be
0: focused. Yeah. Um, I'd like to get back to you for a moment in the book that you've written, Thriving Hive, and then talk more about how we can help people who are divorcing in the workplace feel, I guess, better in the workplace and how employers can be supportive of that and how employees can what employees should do when they're going through a divorce, maybe to notify colleagues and employers about their situation. So tell us about the book first. Well, last year I published a book. It's called The
1: Thriving Hive, How People-Centric Workplaces Ignite Engagement and Fuel Results. Mm -hmm. And it's written in a parable format, and it's set in two beehives. So I used Uh uh, the metaphor of the beehive as the system for the workplace. And in essence, in these two beehives, one is the alive hive, And one is the dive hive. And you can guess where you probably want to work. Um, And so I use that as, you know, sort of the the characterization of the contrast between the type of place you would probably want to work and the type of place that you might not want to work, and some of the elements that come into play of how leaders can create a culture that is not just focused on profit, but really focuses on taking care of people and creating a culture where people really want to show up, they really want to contribute, and they feel really good about being there. And they are connected to a bigger purpose.
0: So how does an employer do that?
1: Well, purpose is a great place to start, right? So having a clearly defined purpose, you know, this is one of the things we often see in mission-driven organizations or not-for-profits. People are very passionate about working there because they're connected to the purpose. So every organization needs to be doing something that's going to contribute to a greater good, yeah. not just to be being able to create profit. So, you know, moving away from that capitalistic view that in many ways we've functioned under for you know forever and really looking at the way in which an organization is contributing. And that's really the first step. And once you've got that step in place, people can then connect to that. So when I come to an organization as a prospective employee, or if I'm in an organization, I can feel connected to that and know that the work I'm doing is contributing to that. That's going to keep me productive. It's going to keep me engaged. It's going to keep me excited about coming to work every day. And those are some of the key things that employers really need to be
0: thinking about. So when you're talking about purpose, I'm thinking about culture, a corporate culture. Is that similar? Culture is a core element
1: So if we think purpose, then we want to tie values to that. And then culture is kind of how the values manifest in the workplace. So values are how we, you know, what we believe, how we act, and those guide the culture. And culture is so important because, in essence, the culture is the norms, the behaviors, the attitudes, the beliefs that are demonstrated in the organization. And that culture, in order to be able to really engage and keep people in that workplace, has to be positive. Yeah. You know, you can't have a toxic culture and expect people to be happy and, you know, want to keep working there.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure. And what else would the Alive Hive feel like? Really?
1: Well, the Alive Hive is a place where there's good communication. So the leaders are visible people that are human beings that, you know, they're they may have their own vulnerabilities, but that they connect and interact with the workforce. So there's good communication in the workforce. The organization has ways to celebrate mm-hmm. successes. You know, it's important for us to continue to celebrate and acknowledge, you know, that acknowledgement of a, a job well done yeah. is something that we just don't do enough of. Yeah. And really being able to create a, a workplace that has a really cooperative environment where people feel like they can really work together in teams. They're not territorial about or competitive about their work. Yeah. You know, it's good to be competitive in positive ways, but not when it creates a dynamic that's pitting one group against another. So it's got to be positive and
0: cooperative. Yeah, I see. Okay. Well those are very important things to think about. And can.
1: earlier this year my book won a national business book award.
0: That's fantastic. So I was I've
1: pretty excited. Your to, first uh, book that's my first book. Yeah. yeah. And it won a national book award. So I'm pretty excited. Congratulations. About that. Yeah. I would
0: be proud of that too. Yeah. So if someone is, uh, an employee is going through a divorce, what what should they do uh, at work? What, should they tell anyone? How should they handle it so that people, they feel somewhat supported or, yeah. you know, their absences are explained without giving too much information? I, I don't know, but really, as a divorce attorney, I don't know how to advise people how to navigate that. At well, work. it's, I think a lot of it depends on the nature of the workplace. Yeah. You know, if
1: they're in a culture that is supportive, that is cooperative, where there's transparent communication, then I think it's a great opportunity for the person who's going through the traumatic situation of a divorce, and it can be traumatic for, for many individuals, that they really look to what resources are available and the extent to which they're going to feel supported. Because you're absolutely right. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be absences. There's going to be the phone call in the middle of the day that is going to know, take you away from whatever you were focusing on yeah. and potentially put you off onto some other tangent for the rest of the day. So I strongly encourage, first, understand what resources are available in the workplace. And Employee Assistance Program, in almost every large employer, has an EAP, which Mm -hmm. is how they're referred to. This is a resource that can be actually a first point of contact for someone who's going through any kind of traumatic experience or difficulty. It can help you find counseling support, can find legal support. There's a variety of different resources that are available. But it's a great way to just have someone to talk to immediately yeah. and really strongly encourage use of these resources. We find they're generally very underutilized, but really do encourage people to use those. The other thing is really, you know, again, based on the culture and the type of workplace that you work in, it's important for your for your manager to probably know because you are going to have interruptions Lack of productivity, lack of focus, and absences. And being open about disclosing that and to what extent you're willing to share that with other people. None of us are the first person on the planet to get divorced. (laughs) Yes, Yes, for sure. (laughs) We all
0: know that. There's at least one person in every organization. Exactly.
1: And in many ways, what it can do is build a a bond with other people who have been through that situation so that they can say, this is what I did. These are the experiences that I had and be able to be empathetic and compassionate in and be able to really then help understand that i know what it's like to go through that and yes we can help pick up the you know some of the workload or work together as a team as you're going through this difficult time so i'm an advocate for taking the temperature of what that workplace is and being able to then be open and have other people understand why these different elements of who you are right now as you're going through this situation are manifesting.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, divorce is one example of an employee talking about a personal thing, but there are other personal things that are not divorce related. I'm wondering how much a person, how much an employee should share with their boss, their manager. Does that build a better relationship in the workplace? Is it too much information?
1: Well, certainly there can be too much information. And in some cases, you know, when people are going through divorce, they might also seek counseling help. Yeah, they very should. Th- yeah. yeah. Well, I did when I got divorced, yeah. so I know it's a very common occurrence. And that kind of information is actually considered personal health information. Uh-huh. So you want to not share personal health information because that is protected. Yeah. And you want to make sure that you're sharing enough, but not too much. Uh-huh. Think of this kind of from the manager's perspective. Somebody comes into their office, and you know, then they're a pile of tears, you know, explaining all of the gory details of what's going on at home, and it's like too I much information. Don't really <laughs> yeah. need all of that information, uh-huh. but at the same time, you know, we're hoping that managers are going to be empathetic and compassionate, and be willing to work with the person who's going through this situation to help them make the accommodations that they need in that current situation.
0: I see. Yeah. So it should be a conversation to have talking about communication between the employer and the employee or the employee and the manager.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Start with the manager. The manager's the the right person to go to first. And then the extent to which, again, you share with colleagues, I think that certainly depends on the extent to which you normally share information with your colleagues, Not everybody is, you know, gregarious and outgoing and an extrovert Mm -hmm. and shares a lot of things about, you know, what are going on. You know, for some people, the "How was your weekend?" conversation could, you know, be, "Oh, it was great. Thanks for asking," Mm -hmm. and not go any further than that. You know, no details. You know, and then you have the person at the opposite end of the spectrum that, you know, you know exactly what happened every minute of the weekend. So I think it depends on what your personal style is. You know, be consistent with your personal style, but at the same time. this might be an opportunity to to go a little bit deeper to be able to say what I'm dealing with is hard. This is a hard situation that I'm going through. We're not just talking about what you did over the weekend. We're talking about something that for some individuals is truly a traumatic experience. And which case then, again, you want to have people be open and willing to have that empathy that you're going to need in order to get through the, however many months, you know, if this gets, some of them go on for a long time in terms of getting settled.
0: So divorces and, can go more than a year. It, sure. That can really impact. Right. <laughs> and, and the, you know, marital distress or, you know, the family distress can go, you know, start much earlier than when the divorce starts. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't just wake up one
1: day and, you know, suddenly realize that things aren't working. So it's really a a matter of figuring out what you're comfortable with and what the environment is like in your workplace and the extent to which you have deep personal relationships with your colleagues. You know, so it really just be consistent But at the same time, this may be an opportunity to open up a little bit more and let people know that you need some support, you know, being vulnerable Mm -hmm. in this case. You're already in a vulnerable situation, but being able to show a little bit of that vulnerability. And I think this is especially difficult for leaders in organizations, for senior leaders, you know, who are more visible and for whom vulnerability is not quite so easy to do. Oh,
0: you're suggesting it's harder for leaders to show that they're vulnerable, Ex- having per- going exactly. through personal
1: issues. Right, right. You know, where the the personal life is, you know, kept very separate, or even though there's a big picture of the kids in the office, you know, maybe they don't talk about that. But anytime there's, you know, distress in someone's life, it's, it's hard to talk about.
0: Yeah. Do you think, and this is a, such a global question, but do you think people feel like they shouldn't disclose it because it somehow impacts their job? upward mobility at the, at the job, if they express some vulnerability to a manager, that it might Im- limit their opportunities at the company? I think that's a
1: real, really good point. And I think it would be easy for people to feel that way. Yeah. Again, it depends on the culture of the organization. Yeah. You know, if you work in a very family-oriented environment where, you know, it's all about the family and it's all about being able to have stability and structure, you know, your whole world just got blown up. So that stability and structure has all just disappeared. And this is where I think your counsel is obviously very helpful in these kinds of situations, is to be asking your client, tell me about the workplace. What is it like? You know, What's the culture like? Do you feel supported? And being able to together have that conversation so you can provide some guidance yeah. and share what has happened with your other clients.
0: Those are good questions for me to ask. Thank you. I always learn something in a podcast. So that, that's, a, that's a good thing to know to think about. I'm curious, how do you typically, you know, address this issue? You
1: know, do do your clients ask you? Do they say, you know, what do I do at work? How do I talk about this? No,
0: no one has ever asked me that question, but it doesn't, really? doesn't mean I can't bring it up. Uh, it's really a good topic to discuss. In fact, I recently had a podcast with uh, someone who's a, an executive coach and we were talking about, well, what happens if, you know, the sheriff comes to serve papers on the company and what should that person, ta- what should the employee who's getting divorced talk about? I mean, should, if they particularly, if they're an owner or a leader of the company or an, uh, an executive of the company, should they tell staff that this is happening? Because when the sheriff comes and serves papers for, you know, all kinds of things would be asked for word will travel around the company really fast. So should the executive get it out ahead of time?
1: Yeah. You know, that's where really having a proactive strategy. I'm surprised that no one
0: has ever asked that
1: question. You know, we spend so much of our time in the workplace and it's so important to be able to really acknowledge that this is an important thing that's going on in my life. And I've got to be able to bring that with me to work. I don't just check it at the door when I walk in the door in the morning any more than any stress or any issue that's going on, whether it's children or money or whatever it is. It all comes into the workplace with us. So we want to be able to have really a thought out approach to how you're going to do this. And especially for those who are owners of companies and senior leaders in the organization, because, you know, there's I can't imagine how embarrassing that would be if all of a sudden the sheriff shows up and everybody goes,
0: "What's going on here?" Yeah. Often the sheriff's serving, like for example, a subpoena, looking for records from the company. Right. So they would want, uh, you know, profit and loss statements, and they want compensation records and and things like that. And while the other staff may not know what the sheriff is serving exactly, they know that something is happening that's not that pleasant, right? right? And it impacts senior leadership or management or owners. Yeah, I think it really is an important conversation to have yeah. and to really
1: think about what the strategy is going to be of how much is going to be shared, with whom, so that, you know, you've got a proactive plan yeah. for this. Yeah. Well, it also builds
0: a culture, getting back to well, your point, exactly. right, of, of disclosure and transparency. If right. senior leadership says you know, I'm getting through divorce. I may be absent a little more often. I may not be in a good mood every day, you know, trying the best to get through this with minimal impact on the company, but there's going to be some bumps in the road and think people may show up and serve papers here and we're just going to, you know, manage it in in a business-like way. Yeah. I,
1: I totally believe that transparency is so important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can someone take care of themselves while they're going through a divorce?
1: well that's equally as important topic yeah. because our well-being especially in time of stress you know is is just so important and i think one of the the tendencies speaking from personal experience on this is that we tend to want to disengage from a lot of things when we're going through any kind of difficult portion of our life and this is the time to really be looking for those elements in your life and those practices in your life that are going to support you. Now, for example, I tend to be a person who likes to exercise a lot. And when I was getting divorced, I didn't necessarily feel like always doing vigorous exercise, but I wanted to do something. And I would go for long walks. I happened to live about a mile from a cemetery, a very beautiful cemetery. Mm-hmm. And even though it was wintertime, it was still a place for me to be able to go. And it was quiet. And I could you know, go through that mourning process, which yeah. was what I was really going through at that point. And so I would encourage people to... Keep whatever practices you have. Don't let those practices slide, whether it's, you know, how you eat or what physical activity you get. Um, Getting lots of sleep is going to be really important. And then just, you know, keep those practices going. Those are going to support your well-being and keep you strong through this process so that when you come out on the other end of this – when you do have, as you often say, that second chance at happiness, which I just love, that you're still gonna be physically and emotionally strong as a result of this. Cause we all come through this, you know, we, it's hard to feel that way when you're going through it. But on the other side of it, you may look back and go, I'm actually better off now than I was before. Sounds, Terrible at times,
0: but oh no, know. it's absolutely true. Yeah, the point is well taken. Yeah. Right, you know, even the person who doesn't initially want the divorce—I think I often see the flipping point where they uh, say, "You know, I didn't want this. This came as a surprise. I would have stayed together for the sake of this or that, or the kids, or whatever, whatever was in their mind." But they can see hope, right. and they can see that their new life might be good for them right. too. Exactly, and
1: that's where I think you know these core self-care practices are so important. And if you don't currently have some of those self-care practices, I know it's hard to start new things when you're in the midst of change, but that is the point is you're in the midst of change. Yeah. So maybe this is a good time to go for walks and, you know, eat some things that you didn't eat before and maybe even, you know, you're going to be changing sleeping patterns because now you're in a, a may even be in a physically different place than you were before. So it's an opportunity to build new
0: healthy practices and self-care practices in your life. I'm smiling. Obviously the audience can't see that, but I was just thinking about something. When the spouses are separated, there's obviously this bed that has a vacancy now. Yes. I find that people often don't want to stay sleep on that other side of the bed that the other spouse was sleeping in. And sometimes I have that conversation with people and say, well, try sleeping over there. You know, see how it feels. It's kind of, um, it's a position of strength in a way that they can move into that space. I'm just saying that sometimes these intangible things are are really interesting. Or at the
1: very least, uh, move into the middle of the bed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, it's almost like it's it's a taboo area. You know, that it's been tainted somehow or contaminated. But taking over that space is kind of psychologically meaningful. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. During this time of change, it actually can be... This can be a really positive step to reassess your own self-care practices. And that might even be, you know, an interesting part of your conversation of, we have a tendency when we're going through traumatic things to go to the, you know, what I would call the darker side of this is, you know, it's much easier to just, you know, open that bottle of wine and open that bag of chips and then just wallow in them for, you know, for hours at night. And, you know, while in the moment that may feel like an important coping mechanism, and it is, We just can't do that every day. So looking for those opportunities to build and to enhance your practices of self-care can be really important. And also to really, you know, look for the the support of those who love you. You know, there's a lot of people in everyone's life who love you. They will be there for you no matter what Mm -hmm. and really Call on those friends for that support because you you're going to need it to get through it.
0: Yeah, I um, had a recent podcast interview with someone who's in the business of organizing your life. It was actually wonderful because I thought this is first of all you have to be really organized when you're going through a divorce with all the paperwork involved, and if you're not. You don't tend to be an organized person, it can be really overwhelming. Um, and also, it's a part time job getting divorced. So, you know, there has to be mental, fo- emotional focus on moving through the process while a person is still trying to take care of their family and their job and their, themselves. So, I thought that would really be a good thing to start working with clients on while they're changing everything else Mm -hmm. in their lives, (laughs) teaching them how to be really well organized with their time management, how to handle procrastination, how to overcome obstacles, you know, things that they don't want to do and baby steps. Uh, So I thought that would really be great. And it's um, Sarah Reif Hecking. And um, her podcast will be posted soon too.
1: Well, I think that that idea of being organized and, and management of our time you know which is one of Sarah's specialties you know how to be productive and how to manage our time in our lives you know this is, again is an opportunity to reassess i think of it kind of as that new beginning yeah. and here's an opportunity to look at who i am look at my self-care practices i consider being personally organized and how we manage our time and our money and all of our relationships those are all self-care yes. types of focus and this is an opportunity to step back and go, all right, that was where I was before, but I'm not there now. So going forward, how do I want to be? And I think one of your points about really small steps, it doesn't have to be big steps. You know, we're not talking, you're already going through a major change in your life. So let's take really small steps to be able to make changes that are going to, in the long run, help you be that new person that you want to be.
0: Yeah. It's all important. It's a huge transition going through divorce, and um, hopefully the workplace will be supportive of that and help the person transition well so there's stability at the workplace with a supportive employer and a workplace culture. We certainly hope so. Yes. All right, anything else you want to talk about today?
1: No, I think that this has been a great conversation about different ways to, to think about the level of support that you have in your life, to look at the workplace as being another element of that support mechanism, that ecosystem that's going to support you. We have to recognize that you know some some not everybody works in a really supportive workplace or with a great culture. You know, if you're in a toxic workplace, you need to reassess that. You know, again, determine what level of transparency you want to have about what's going on in your life, and be able to really think about how that's going to fit. But hopefully, you know, these are some strategies that folks can think about
0: when they're uh, dealing with this situation. Great. Well, thank you, Mari Ryan of Advancing Wellness, and I think, appreciate your coming in today and talking with me on this podcast. Inside divorce. divorce. Thanks. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindell at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.